Welcome to the Crossviews Vision Wins podcast series, your source for actionable insight and information that enables you to reach your vision for ServiceNow with speed, agility, and confidence. Today, we have an exciting panel of experts who will share their thoughts on what the future of digital services transformation holds and how you can quickly get on the right path towards success. I'd like to welcome the Director of Champion Enablement at ServiceNow, Fima Latulak, Crossfuse's in-house experts on ServiceNow integration and roadmap development, Jacob Anderson and Stephen St. Germain, and last but definitely not least, executive recruiter and author of the book, Be the Business, CIOs in the New Era of IT, Martha Heller. Welcome to Vision Wins and our Flash Forward to 2020 discussion. Our first guest is a champion enablement leader at ServiceNow. Please welcome Bimala Tulak. So Bimala, in the future, how will the ServiceNow Champions program help leaders in their install base keep pace with the increasing ServiceNow demands? Well, currently, with every release, we create a communications package that includes details about all the new capabilities and templates to help accelerate our customers' ability to communicate what's coming to their users. We also include templates provided to communicate the value their organization is already experiencing with their current deployment and additional value that could be gained if additional departments utilize the platform. Most importantly, though, we offer a program framework to all of our customers. As companies begin to expand beyond a single service, it's really important that there is a shift in the idea of a service management office or service management program to mature from just managing a tool set to running a program that is positioned to service the business needs across the enterprise. This includes recognizing that business-focused roles, such as business relationship managers, communication and training teams, and analyst-type roles take center stage when interacting with the business versus just their technical system administrators or development staff. So as we continue to grow the platform capabilities, which I'm sure there'll be lots more to come, um, it's really important to ServiceNow as a whole that we continue to provide the right guidance to our customers to be successful, and we'll continue to evolve what that means as we continue to evolve the platform. Absolutely. And it seems to me that as soon as departments can get behind the fact that ServiceNow expansion, or really any platform expansion, is so much more than just an IT initiative, they can start taking initiatives themselves to partner with the platform team to roll out change initiatives. Yep, exactly. And it's important that that platform team has the right roles to support those, those change, um, change initiatives as well. And speaking of keeping pace, we know that artificial intelligence, or AI for short, will be publicly available as part of the Kingston release. So assuming AI is only going to get bigger over the next three years, how should companies overcome fear surrounding the in inevitable future of AI and help them prepare for the organizational changes that will occur as a result? Great question. Um, this question actually brings to mind a memory from back in 2012 knowledge that we held um, in New Orleans. Um, we had these little fortune cookies that we were giving out, and I happened to receive one that said, automation lets you make more mistakes faster than any invention in human history, with the possible exception of handguns and tequila. So, you know, at the time, it was, it was very timely, right? Discovery, orchestration had really just kind of come out and started to, uh, to take root. 
and boy, everyone wanted to automate everything. And people were terrified for their jobs. But a lesson that organizations quickly learned was that if you don't understand what your people are actually doing, if you don't take the time to improve the processes, the data, and, and really understand what should be automated, then automation can lead to poor customer experience and costly mistakes. So I predict similar with, with AI. I think we can all relate to how upsetting it can be when you call a business with an issue and you can't figure out how to get to a real person to solve your problem and the spot on the phone just doesn't understand what you need, right? And you're like, hello, can I talk to a person? This is an example of how when organizations don't take the time to understand their customer service processes and therefore misunderstand customer expectations, that AI can end up blurring these lines between what, you know, what should be automated and what really demands a human intervention. Therefore, the result is a poor customer experience. But if companies look at AI from a customer and employee experience improvement perspective versus just where we can cut dollars, this is a whole different ballgame. As an example, coming out in Kingston is the ability to utilize AI to categorize a request based on the subject line. Wow, like how cool is that? As a customer, filling out the form, I don't have to guess what category or what group it needs to get assigned to. And when it gets assigned, and you know, on the flip side, if I were to pick the wrong category, then it ends up getting assigned to the team that was actually hired to fulfill requests, but yet now it was assigned to the wrong group, and now they have to waste their time reassigning tickets because a customer didn't understand the right category. So the ability to use AI to auto-populate things like a category that drives assignments is a great example of how AI can work for people and help improve those experiences. So my recommendation in, in, with regards to reducing fear and taking responsible steps forward with how AI is integrated into your processes is to lean on the employees to help identify those areas that are seen as an inefficiency and a hindrance to getting their work done. To further the importance of utilizing employees to drive your AI adoption, in the Kingston release notes uh, for our agent intelligence capability, one of the first sentences related to creating and training the solution definition is, a predictable model is only as good as the data you use to train it. In other words, humans are required to ensure that the process and the data these bots are integrated into are accurate. Plus, clearly identifying in the process where the delineation occurs between what a bot can or, or should do and human interaction should take place is critical. So I feel it's important that the introduction of AI is looked at through the lens of continuous experience um, improvement, both for your employees and your customers. What repeatable tasks like assigning a category to an incident form are people doing that is distracting them from their core responsibilities? And then identify if we shift folks from these menial types of tasks, what areas of our processes can we refocus their efforts to help drive continued improvements around the customer experience? I had uh, talked earlier in the first question uh, you'd asked uh, about, the, about uh, running ServiceNow more as a program, about the shift of having that more business-focused role as part of the platform team to support running a program. With the introduction of AI, this becomes even more important to ensure that organizations understand where the right areas exist to apply AI from a business and process perspective 
not just the technical capabilities that AI might be able to, uh, to provide. So these business-focused platform team roles could be responsible for things like driving process reviews or conducting workshops with employees to identify the right areas of the process that would make sense for AI to be involved to drive these types of improvements. And who better to drive these types of decisions than the people who are already intimately involved in completing those types of tasks today. They understand the desired outcomes and what it takes to actually achieve those outcomes. So in short, keep the focus on the benefits of AI for improving experience and invest in your people to ensure that they're prepared to evolve the personalized aspect of delivering service and customer satisfaction. Thanks, Bimala. I think it's so critical for companies to view AI as something that enables change and creates opportunity for employees to perform their jobs at a higher level uh, rather than view it as a task replacement tool that you can just set and forget, right? Right. So in closing, can you briefly describe two actions companies can take in 2018 to set themselves up for future success with organizational change? Yeah, you know, um, as technologies are moving forward, it just seems as though they're getting simpler, they're more user-friendly, right? And, and as this occurs, adoption efforts, they need to change their focus from this is how you do this process or this is how you use this technology into more so of this is why you use it. So making it even more important to focus on the what's in it for me and driving an emotional connection for your employees and your customers to, to use these new capabilities that are being rolled out. So two ways I think of this. One, don't underestimate the power of going old school. So, you know, we are also tied up in our, in our devices today, you know, Twitter, and, you know, we blast things out, social media, we send those emails, right? But people still like to interact with people. And so as you release these new technologies, don't just rely on technology to let people know about it. You know, do stuff that's, that's different. Bring people together, right? Have, have a go-live celebration. Put that cheesy poster up on the wall talking about the, you know, the next new thing that you've just done. Highlight the individuals on the team that made it possible. You know, put, put their, their names and faces up on that poster and, and celebrate all the great things that they've done. Give out swag, right? I mean, everybody, go, you know, you go to a trade show. How many people get all excited about the t-shirts or the mugs or some little, I don't know, bottle opener or something, right? Do the same thing internally. Get swag out there. Get people excited about the, the new stuff that's going on. And, and, you know, really, in other words, you know, help your organization feel connected. Help them feel more connected to each other. Help them feel connected to the initiatives that you're putting forward. And, and help them see how every person belongs in the success overall um, in, in really driving forward the value that these initiatives um, are, are aiming to achieve. And, you know, second, take the time to communicate the value that these new technologies are bringing to the business. And then don't just stop there with what it's bringing to the business, but take the time to understand how these technologies are affecting individuals and the value that it's bringing to individuals. Maybe Mary Jo is no longer working 60-hour weeks on a salary and can now instead get her job completed in her 40 hours and spend more time, you know, doing the things that she loves, right? 
really calling out those types of things and, and driving that home and bringing that personal connection, I think, is, is something that is really uh, you know, going to help drive um, the, the change and adoption of new technologies coming out. Absolutely. And business at the end of the day is always about people no matter what. So thank you so much, Bimala. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'd now like to welcome Crossfuse's very own experts, Jacob Anderson and Stephen St. Germain. So Jacob, what is your one big prediction on where digital services transformation is headed in the next three years and how it will impact the expansion of the ServiceNow platform? I think you're going to see a major focus shift to AI. Uh, you're going to see some minor improvement over the next few releases, and then you're going to see some major shifts. So ServiceNow is probably going to invest by integrating with some of the major players that are out there. You're going to see uh, integrations with probably IBM or, or other major AI companies, but you're also going to see some acquisitions and um, some core development going on just in, in the ServiceNow development group. Um, most of these core pieces will all be around um, artificial intelligence. So historically, ServiceNow is focused, uh, I guess, at the core, it's, they want to say they're a platform for everything, and they are, and they've tried to position themselves as such. But they've really been around um, operations management, ITSM, ITAM, um, really in the IT space. And uh, even though they have started growing in uh, many other spaces uh, in the ecosystem, I think you're going to see a similar trend with AI. You're going to see the push to be in ITSM and, and in CSM. Um, and people interact, interacting with a help desk. So as far as how will that impact the expansion of the ServiceNow platform, uh, um, obviously, I guess we'll see. The, the difficult thing here is everybody is investing in AI right now. It's a very popular word. I think ServiceNow definitely has an advantage where um, even though they've grown to be a large company, they've proven themselves to be very lean, um, very agile. Um, and it allows them to keep, compete really well with the older companies like BMC and, and others that are, that are just so slow to move. And this is going to play to ServiceNow's advantage. Um, however, there are going to be leaner companies and quicker companies uh, that are startups um, and that will rise as new competitors who are going to be uh, more agile than ServiceNow. So while this gives ServiceNow an opportunity to grow and to capture more market share, there's also some um, risk from competition that, that play this angle or the, who are poised to really jump on the whole AI movement. Yeah, I think Jacob makes a really good point. Um, but I think, and I'll talk about it a little bit when, uh, in, in the answers to my questions, but I think this is really about accelerating the you know, digital transformation journey. Um, organizations can't um, wait to figure out how they will replace all of their processes and shift people to the, the higher value um, objectives that they have. So AI will play a big portion of uh, how, how to accelerate and simplify some of that automation. So I think that every company is trying to digitally transform their business. Um, it's, it's whether or not the market is ready for the transformation. So I, I would think that ServiceNow is, as they really push AI, they're going to do it in areas uh, that people are more familiar with and more willing to accept artificial intelligence, such as CSM, or when someone calls a help desk agent and they'd rather just chat with, with somebody, whether it's a bot 
or whether it's whether it's a human agent, they don't really care. They just want to get their problems solved. But there are areas of the market where customers will not be ready to accept AI, and they won't be used to it. And so there are some places where ServiceNow is probably going to be ahead of the market, and we're going to have to see whether AI catches on in those other areas. Great. And in closing, Jacob, can you briefly describe two actions that companies can take in 2018 to set themselves up for future ServiceNow success? Sure. I think first, they have to embrace the platform. So in order to benefit from all of these new major enhancements that ServiceNow is going to make to the platform, they're making heavy, heavy investments in artificial intelligence and into making the life of a help desk agent and the life of anyone who interacts with a platform better. In order to benefit from all of that, you have to embrace the platform. So many companies use it simply for ITSM, right? For instant problem change, service catalog, knowledge, CMDB, those standard uh, areas. Uh, but the companies that are really going to succeed are going to build out um, products on the ServiceNow platform to replace other products that they're using in disparate technologies. Whether a customer has in-house software that they've been using for decades, or whether they're using disparate technologies, very good platforms perhaps, to do uh, great things but using different platforms. What a customer needs to do is embrace the ServiceNow platform and migrate uh, those processes, those applications over to ServiceNow so they can take advantage of a single platform and take advantage of all the great investment that ServiceNow is making. The second thing I'd recommend is to be innovative. So it's not just enough to use ServiceNow or to use the ServiceNow platform. The companies that really succeed with ServiceNow are ones that are willing to be innovative and to try something new. And so if you're looking at leveraging artificial intelligence in the future, you're not going to do it just because ServiceNow has it available. You have to be an innovative thinker and be willing to embrace some of these new technologies that ServiceNow is going to release. So, Stephen, where should mature ServiceNow organizations be on their roadmap in three years? You know, we often talk about the service management journey with ServiceNow being uh, sort of built on four parts. First, to bring an organization from their unstructured into a structured set of operations. And this is really essential for uh, the foundation to build on. Um, the next step part really is uh, once those operations are structured uh, for consistent behavior and consistent execution, begin to look for areas to enhance the effectiveness and those, uh, the efficiencies of those operations, and also to begin aligning them with the business. The, the third part uh, is when operations are now well aligned with the business and clearly understood and um, ultimately have reached that level of maturity, you can begin considering automation. Um, and that's where I think you know, Jacob's point earlier about AI is going to come into play, but also orchestration and streamlining um, operational processes that normally have a lot of people involved in them. And this uh, ultimately will ensure that their most valued resource of you know, their intellectual capacity of people can be used for other more high value areas for businesses. The last phase we really look at is building on the success and the confidence of these previous phases, and then consider how can we transform the business by leveraging the platform, as Jacob mentioned, and then potentially provide completely new solutions or revolutionize customer interfaces or the customer experience. 
those first two phases are accelerating regularly in their delivery um, by partners such as Crossviews. And the time to adopt them is shortening up quite significantly. And this is being driven by the recognition that the value coming from uh, digital transformation and coming from the ServiceNow platform is really in that automation and that transformation phase. So I guess this long-winded lead-in brings me to the real answer, which is in three years, organizations should have really significantly challenged themselves to begin automation and consider um, ultimately the additional ad adoption of transformation. And as we see the uh, evolution of agile delivery and op operational methods, the pace of that digital change is continuing to accelerate and automation and transformation capabilities will be essential um, within the three-year timeframe. And in terms of digital transformation across the enterprise, how can departments collaborate to develop a shared vision and define their technology roadmaps to make their future vision a reality? Well, I think we have some really good webinars that we've done with Bimala previously. I had one uh, as well. So uh, rather than rehash those, I want to maybe distill it down to two key points that I think are essential. Uh, the first is governance. Um, and this, for me, includes create the creation of an organization of key service management stakeholders that have the responsibility for oversight and decision making for how services delivered, whether that's as a part of enterprise service management or even just focusing on service, service now as a platform, this group will ultimately help ensure consistent alignment and prioritization for the many, many areas and benefits um, that will come as a part of digital transformation, um, especially when leveraging the ServiceNow platform. And I, you know, I, I say that, and, I, and immediately I think, oh, another meeting. It sounds like death by a thousand cuts, I'm sure to anyone listening to this podcast, but I can assure our listeners that time and again, we have found that those organizations that spend more time upfront um, will spend less time. And those organizations that don't institute a governance structure will spend more time after the fact in meetings trying to resolve those things they missed or smooth over conflicts and gaps that come up. You know, Stephen, I, I think you and I have both seen uh, a, several examples of where customers don't communicate and where they don't have that governance. And they try to do some of these things like leveraging the platform and moving all the technology to ServiceNow or what makes sense to move to ServiceNow. But if you're not careful, what often happens is now you have the spirit technology right there within ServiceNow. You have one application that looks nothing like another application. And so reporting off of off of common data between the two applications is, is very difficult or a lot of those benefits that you would have received for sharing the same platform uh, go to the wayside because people did not communicate. And now in essence, you have two disparate applications within the same platform. Well, I absolutely agree. That's exactly what I mean by consistent alignment. Um, without a body that will help make the decisions for how you bring everyone together with regards to how they're delivering that particular service or um, aligning enterprise service management as a whole. Um, you're, you're absolutely right, Jacob. You're going to, to come up with multiple separate uh, answers to the same question within a single platform, which will create a longer road to value from, from the ServiceNow initiative that you uh, from your ServiceNow initiative. 
The second item that I think is essential for success, for collaboration, using an overused cliche, um, but continues to resonate is that you won't manage what you don't measure. And many organizations tell me, of course they measure. And, and I listen to them time and again, talk to me about the unique measures that a particular group or department has instituted and how they're using that within their particular group, but how it's not aligned with the next group or department and so on and so on. And the result is that everyone is representing their specialness, if you will, their snowflakeness. Is that a word? I think I've made it a word for this podcast. But time and again, miss the measures that bring everybody together uh, on a set of common goals, and especially including alignment with the business. As a very simple example, but one we see time and again, we very often have a single group have the authority over incident management and measuring how incident management occurs within that department or um, across the entire organization. But it's all of the participants in incident management that have the responsibility and should be measured collectively. Too often we don't find that's the case. The combination of these two things in my mind are the most essential uh, pieces to how departments can collaborate and develop a shared version of adopting ServiceNow and there as a part of their digital transformation. So in closing, Stephen, can you briefly describe two actions companies can take in 2018 to set themselves up for future roadmapping success? You know, I think I'd like to echo one that Jacob mentioned earlier uh, surrounding being innovative and uh, just rephrase that a bit. Uh, I would really um, think that clients and, and organizations should challenge themselves to accelerate and adopt uh, innovation and automation within the platform. Uh, doing so by setting some official and measurable goals so for it. Don't do it informally. Um, you, don't, you don't have to boil the ocean here. You can pick two or three services just to get started. Maybe some within um, IT that, that are less uh, business facing that help you get comfortable in that innovative and, a, and, and automative adoption. Um, but that's key ultimately to um, the future roadmap success. And secondly, I'd really just like to reiterate the answers to the, the second question about governance and um, managing and, uh, and measuring. Without those, you, one, you won't know where you're starting from and whether you're getting um, to the destination that is most valuable to your organization and the business. Yeah, so Stephen, something that you mentioned that, that I think a lot of people don't understand or they don't get right. A lot of times people think that um, building out a roadmap and leveraging the platform more is akin to boiling the ocean or akin to uh, adding complexity. Uh, and while that's often the case, where people really should focus is trying to leverage the platform more, but every time they leverage it for a new application, try to keep it as simple as they can. A good example of this are people that build out their CMDBs and they try to get everything under the sun there and it becomes incredibly difficult to manage because they don't have a process around it. The more you can leverage the platform while keeping the processes and the data coming in and out streamlined and you strive for simplicity, I think you're going to have better success. I think you're spot on, Jacob. And, uh, you know, what we like to call that in, uh, in the road mapping vocabulary or parlance is um, the actionable intel intelligence, the actionable information. 
start with what you know you can act on start with what you know you're going to make a decision from going out and seeking the information or the data or adopting something in the hopes that you will find a purpose for it the uh, build it and they will come methodology doesn't work in this case in fact will often distract you from the, the most essential and, and simple ways to start and find success that's some great insight thank you Stephen. Finally, please join me in welcoming Martha Heller. So Martha, let's imagine for a moment that the CIO is successful in digitally transforming the organization. How should they capitalize on that success and how will that change the traditional role of the CIO? Uh, that's a great question, Bridget. I think first I have to really take a leap of faith in imagining that because first, it will not be the CIO who will successfully uh, uh, cause a digital transformation of, of the organization. It's going to be the CIO in concert with all the other major executives. Digital is a team sport. It's not something that one uh, executive, no matter how influential, can drive. It's really going to, a digital transformation is so thorough and, and changes the foundations of the company that everybody from the CEO to the COO to the head of marketing to the head of supply chain to the head of HR and the CIO, they will all need to work together to get that done. So, you know, at the, so so let's go ahead and imagine that that has taken place and the, and the transformation is complete. My suggestion to CIOs who are in that rare but fortunate uh, position is that they parlay that success into another CIO role in an even bigger company. You know, many CIOs love to turn chaos into order and they love transformation. Once they've completed a transformation, now it's time there. It's, you know, our, our, you know, corporate, the corporate world is a target rich environment when it comes to digital transformation. So taking that experience and moving on to another organization is one way to parlay that success. But another way staying within the bounds of the organization is to move into another position. I'm seeing a, a couple of trends for CIOs, whether or not they've completed a, a digital transformation or not. And one is uh, the CIO to COO career trajectory. When you think about uh, COOs, you know, traditionally, they have a, a unique you know, number of levers that they can pull in order to create operational efficiencies. They can outsource, they can downsize, they can get people to do more with less, but that's old school. Today, the way you drive operational efficiencies is through technology, artificial intelligence, big data, robotics, internet of things. Well, who has the experience of leveraging emerging technologies for operational efficiencies, it's not traditional COOs, it's uh, CIOs. So we're starting to see CIOs who have played a leadership role in digital move formally into the COO position. So that's one uh, trajectory. Another is chief product officer. When all of the sudden a company's products and services have a software engineering component to them where they didn't b before. I mean, when you think about auto companies dealing with a connected car, when you think about agricultural companies using Internet of Things, when you think about manufacturing companies not selling products as much as they're selling information about the use of those products, suddenly every company is a technology company. Well, when, when, when a company's products 
have technology in them, where does IT stop and where does a uh, product start? A lot of companies are playing around with that line and allowing their CIOs to become chief product officers. What, finally, one more is uh, chief customer officer. You know, so much of digital is about customer centricity and engaging with the customer. Well, who in the company is going to look out for the customer's needs and making sure that that customer journey is as uh, uh, consistent and streamlined as it can be? Well, CIOs have a lot of experience with that. And I'm starting to see a chief customer officer role uh, on the evolutionary path of the CIO. So really just to sum up my response to your first question, Bridget, is one, it's hard to imagine a completed digital transformation because I talk to a lot of companies who are only at the beginning, but will take a leap of faith and imagine that happy position. Once a CIO can look in the rear view mirror at digital, there are a couple of clear new evolutionary paths for that professional. Great. And tying into that, Gartner suggests that IT organizations of the future will be bimodal, or in other words, defined by two separate but coherent styles of work, one focused on predictability and the other on exploration and business innovation. If we accept this model, do you see the CIO's role running both bimodal groups, or do you see there being someone else leading the way in terms of innovation? And if the CIO desires to lead that charge, what do they need to do to morph into that position? Uh, thanks for that question. Of course, because I must be contrarian, I'm not going to accept Gartner's model <laughs> of a bimodal uh, uh, organization in the future. I don't see that happening. Here's what I see happening. I see the IT organization morphing into a shared services organization uh, that's heavy on vendor management, that has an information security component to it, that has certainly has architecture as a, as a component because ultimately, whether it's bimodal or innovation or traditional, or keep the lights on, it's all got to work together. We can't have dual uh, technology strategies or else we're going to have a, a shadow IT nightmare on our hands. So I see uh, the CIO evolving into uh, another role, in addition to the ones I've already mentioned, a lot of it depends on the industry, the company, and the particular skill set of the individual. But I see the CIO morphing into a head of shared services. We already see a lot of CIOs taking on that role, where as a head of shared services, they've got the keep the lights on part of IT, but they've also got HR, and they've got legal, and they've got facilities, and they've got procurement. And they have a lot of those internal uh, uh, capabilities that are shared across the enterprise. So that takes care of that slow part of IT, of the bimodal. For the fast part of IT, I don't see that belonging to one organization, whether it's run by the CIO or anybody else. I see digital and technology innovation not as a uh, uh, function, with an executive and resources, but as a capability that is distributed through the organization and really built into the fabric uh, as of the company. I mean, when you think about this, uh, you know, today we talk a lot about shadow IT, where all the different parts of the business, they're buying their own technology, they're, they're using their credit card and buying a software as a service platform, or they're hiring a couple of, you know, developers uh, on the sly and in the dark shadows of the company, they build their own technology because they don't want to wait around for, quote, slow IT or, or wait around for IT at all. Well, 
what organizations are starting to do, the ones that are really, you know, leading the pack on digital, is they're rethinking uh, uh, shadow IT as end user innovation. I mean, millennials are coming into our, our organizations. They're not going to wait around for IT, whether it's uh, the slow group or the fast group. They're going to want to digitize their work themselves. And so I see technology innovation being distributed throughout the company where every part of the organization is doing some technology innovation. It's this shared services organization that's making sure that the contracts are done well, that there's architectural integrity and interoperability, that there's data integrity, and that there's information security. So I don't think it's going to be slow or fast you know, in two different organizations or even in one. I think you're going to have shared services making sure the guardrails on technology innovation are there. And then I'm seeing technology innovation happening in product and marketing and R&D and supply chain and HR and in finance because the only way companies are going to be able to, you know, really transform digitally is to make technology innovation not a function belonging to an executive, but an enterprise capability in, in which everyone is involved. So the second part of your, your question was, um, you know, how does the CIO uh, uh, need to morph into that position? And I think we'll get into this a little bit later in the discussion, but it, you know, th what the CIO needs to do is stand out as an, as an enterprise leader, get out of the walls of IT, raise your hand for initiatives that are, in, that are operational, that are customer centric, that are in marketing and stop thinking about, you know, this is my function and my only responsibility because every CEO in Every company is saying, uh-oh, digital is changing everything that we do, and we've underinvested in IT. We got to leapfrog and make major foundational changes in what we do. Do I have the right leadership? And the right leadership are those executives who can lead in technology and marketing and operations and really get outside of the bounds of their organization. So the way the way CIOs can can sort of morph themselves into, you know, a, a digital enterprise leader is by learning the business better than anybody else and raising their hand for enterprise uh, leadership uh, uh, initiatives. Absolutely. So in closing, can you then briefly describe two actions CIOs can take in 2018 to set themselves up for future success? Well, the problem, Bridget, is I really can't do anything briefly, but I, w I will do my best. Um, I believe that CIOs uh, uh, who would like to set themselves up for success, uh, whether it's in 2018 or beyond, is to de develop deep expertise in the following areas. Number one, leveraging IT for innovation in operations big data, internet of things, artificial intelligence, robotics, whether it's in billing operations, whether it's on the plant floor, whether it's in employee productivity, whether it's in sales and marketing, uh, using leveraging technology for innovation to make the company uh, more efficient and to drive revenue, that's number one. The more of those transformational programs a CIO has under his or her belt, the better positioned they will be for all of these exciting evolutionary paths that we've talked about in this discussion. Number two, don't forget about technical depth. You know, I used to think that the differentiator when I talked to CIOs was business knowledge. 
But as we've been moving into what are all these new technology areas, I've come to realize, no, 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 it's technology depth, or really, it's both. But you know, for CIOs who have a deep understanding of the stack and how the infrastructure and the data and the business applications and the systems of record and the systems of engagement, how all that stuff connects together, those are going to be the most differentiated, powerful executives going forward. So you know, if you're a CIO, you probably have some technology in your background. Don't be so quick to let that go. Number two, financial knowledge. You know, when you when you know the the most effective and powerful CIOs or impactful, uh, uh, let me say, executives in a company, they're the ones in front of the board. And when you're in when you're in the boardroom, a lot of the discussion is a story of finance. So the more you can take everything that you're doing and putting it in in terms that the board understands, the more powerful and respected you will be. If you're going to put in technology that people don't use, don't waste your time and don't waste your money. The final leg of an implementation is adoption. Figuring out ways to share accountability with business areas for ensuring that people are actually using the technologies that you're spending money on and you're implementing. And the shorthand for that is change management or change leadership. That is an area that every executive needs today and certainly the CIO. I have two more areas. One is customer engagement. You know, every company has customers and every CIO has access to those customers. The more you can get out there and be the voice of the customer, the more you can influence and drive change. And then finally, let's not forget about data analytics. Data is everything. Data is the way uh, uh, companies work today. And, you know, you can lead a business executive to data, but you can't make him or her use it. So it's one thing to put in data reporting tools and data warehouses and all of that. It's another to drive cultural change in your organization so that your executives are actually using that data. That gets back to that change management. I think developing a real understanding of data analytics, its structures, and how it can be used to business benefit, that is another area I'd focus. So uh, as my, my little final drum roll here, Bridget, I'm just going to tick these off again. Leveraging IT for innovation and operations, technical depth, financial knowledge, change management, customer, man, uh, customer engagement, and data analytics. I mean, again, that ain't easy, right? That's, you know, while we're at it, let's talk about the meaning of, of life and world peace. But I think any CIO who wants to uh, capitalize on the potential of this tremendous moment of technology inflection that we're in, the, that's the watch list uh, for the skills uh, that are going to allow them to to be successful in the next decade. Great. Thank you, Martha. My pleasure. We hope that you found this Vision Wins discussion to be not only informative, but inspiring as well. For help building a compelling ServiceNow story, visit us at crossviews.com and engage with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook.